What's happening? Uh, I'm gonna need you to go ahead and come in tomorrow. So if you could be here around nine, that would be great. Okay. Oh, 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 I also forgot. I'm gonna need you to come in on Sunday. Okay. We uh, lost some people and we're gonna need to play catch up. Thanks. We've had a number of guests on the show talk about the great resonation or reimagining. Employees aren't interested in being another number. Those who were once afraid to take the move are making a leap into another role or career. Joining us today is Frank Wander, CEO of People Productive, to talk about how we got here and the great resignation. Before we bring Frank onto the show, don't forget to hit that like, subscribe, and notification. Please join me in welcoming Frank to the show. Frank, thanks for joining us. Hey, John, I'm thrilled to be on the John Meyer Podcast. Thanks for having me on. Frank, I'm super excited to have you on because when we talked offline, I mean, the passion behind it and how much stuff you had to share, I was like, you got to join me for the show. Folks, today we're talking with Frank about the great resignation, what has happened or changed in the last two years, and why now all of a sudden are people leaving and changing jobs. Frank, let's talk about it, the great resignation. Well, you know, the great resignation was predicted, but you could see it coming. Literally, if you watched, you could have predicted this decades ago that eventually the way corporations have treated their people, the way they used them as parts dating back to the industrial era, that eventually people were going to say, look, we don't have any kind of social contract here. I'm going to maximize and optimize you know, my life. And it took really this millennial generation to bring that to the forefront. I believe they saw that their parents weren't treated fairly because they listened at home, parents would come home, oh shit, you know, fired after 30 years, whatever. And uh, they decided, look, I'm going to try to find something more fulfilling. I'm going to find a personal mission. And we see that in the great resignation today. People are not happy with the way, you know, work is structured and work is structured really in a very industrial fashion, because that's the ethos that we've inherited from a hundred years of the industrial era. And it really is ultimately the root cause of toxicity, and it is what's going to be replaced. The industrial era. I have to ask you about the bell ringing from school to the industry bell, because I found it a, I want to say an interesting fact that you shared with me. And I think we need yeah. to share with the audience about when you went to school and you heard the start of the bell, the lunch bell, and the ending bell, and how that really tr translates to the industry. Do you want to share? Yeah. Um, you know, school was originally set up to create workers who are going to be very good workers for a factory. That bell and getting people trained that you're going to report to the line at a certain time, the bell's going to go off. Hey, the shift is on. You know, all of that happened to come in and be in the classroom was like being in one of these factories where maybe they were at desks, not necessarily on an assembly line, but it was all about that regimentation, getting people set for that and training them to have the skills they need to go to work in a factory. And therefore, nobody ever was taught to seek their passion or interest because that wasn't going to be part of the equation. 
they were going to just be a good worker. They were going to go to the factory. They were going to do what they were told and, you know, follow that regimentation and that work. And that's what it was set up to be. And much of that structure exists today. Are a lot of people still leaving or changing their jobs? I don't want to say they're actually like leaving their company now. Some are actually changing jobs, something they would have never thought of doing more now than ever, because I remember watching in the last probably six months to a year of all the people posting on social media, I gave my last day after 25 years or 15, 30 years, people really leaving that behind to pursue other opportunities because they are now gaining more value out there? Well, there's certainly, the world has changed immensely. This hybrid world of work where you can work from anywhere, lead from anywhere, hire from anywhere, that has opened up an enormous number of opportunities for people in places where they had a limited array of opportunities. So if you were a great worker in the Midwest, you had really high IT skills, you could suddenly go to work for a Silicon Valley company and it's happening. And the pay scales that they can get going to work for that company, being remote, being part of a remote team, remote working tools, very good. You could create good teamwork. You still need some in person. I firmly believe it because hybrid does make a difference. But, you know, the world has changed in just so many ways. And you have companies who say, hey, we're all going to report to the factory. We're going back to work. And people are like, no, no, I've been working from home for a year and a half. I, I don't get this. And I've been more productive than ever. What, why do I have to suddenly commute back into, you know, that city or that town, wherever it was that they were working? You know, don't you trust me? And uh, they're not handling that well, many companies. They're being forced to do hybrid. The ones that don't, they don't have a choice. They're going to be. What do you mean they don't have a choice? They're going to be. I, I think this is kind of going to lead into now the employees have more say into their work flexibility. Well, you know, it's interesting. Uh, there's this Irish philosopher who talks about a lot about work. Name is Charles Handy. He has a famous quote. You know, uh, Marx longed for the day when the workers would own the means of production. Now they finally do. In the industrial era, it was capitalism. Large amounts of capital were required to set up factories, plants, and equipment, to set up those huge assembly lines, whatever you were doing, a steel plant, car plant. That capital went into the plant, and that capital had to get a return. That was literally the equipment. In the industrial era, the humans were incidental. They were interchangeable parts. I'm going to move you from this part of the line. I'm going to move you over there. I'm going to replace you with a cheaper part. And I do believe that's where this whole notion of a human resource came, because resources came into the factory and finished products came out. And in the industrial era, you know, humans were a human resource. So personnel became human resources. At one time, it was called personnel back in the 20s, 30s, 40s. They changed it to human resources. How fitting, because that is the interchangeable part. And, um, you know, the world has changed. It, that world just doesn't exist anymore. I firmly believe, I, I like remote, but I am a person of hybrid type. Now, I don't have an office to go into but I do frequently travel. That is my hybrid where I will meet and greet a lot of the people that I work with. There are occasional on-prem stuff that you might have to do and go in and interact. I actually miss those. I miss that interaction. I like the hybrid type model. Why? My next question is, why does talent matter more now than ever? Because the workers own the means of production. You know, when you want to go out and you want to innovate and create something, it's a group of talented people coming together. It's a digital era. And there are a lot of physical things, but when you get to 3D manufacturing, 
and somebody's going to come up with a 3D CAD design. They're going to put it into the machine. They're going to print it. That value is getting created in that design, that creator. It's the mind of the maker. And, you know, in the pre-industrial era, when we had craft shops, you go back to colonial America, um, you know, people got trained. Uh, they became apprentices. Uh, then they became journeymen, eventually maybe a craftsman. And uh, the people on the craft shops and trained the people valued them highly. It was the industrial era that really destroyed that. They also had much more flexible work arrangements. The formal structure of a company didn't come along till the industrial era when we came up with these management models. Now it really is the workers who understand exactly all the tools and things. They have the creativity, they come together, they create something. They are the equipment. That is the factory. It's a factory of people. And they own they own the, uh, the means of production at the end of the day. That's why the contract has changed. And I agree with you. The hybrid world of work is ideal because people need some social interaction. They need to meet people. You know, if you're a millennial sharing an apartment with three people, getting stuck in that every day, all day, without really good work conditions, you know, go to office and stuff, it's much harder on them. I mean, uh, work from home wasn't great for everybody, believe me. But hybrid will be. I agree with you. Now, what are some of the consequences for these companies who fail to get that human element right? They're not going to be around. They're going to get outcompeted. Because if you don't have the expertise to really build an environment where people are both motivated and able to give their best, you could build this incredibly high-performing culture. And unlike the industrial era where you could run the equipment and the plant at any speed you wanted, you've got to motivate people, right? This is a factory of people. You've got to motivate and inspire them to give their best. And the companies that have expertise at doing that, and they have leaders who care about their people sincerely, they coach them, they grow them. Those are the great leaders of the future, the servant leaders. They're going to build environments where people want to come stay, put down roots. They're going to be motivated. They're going to collaborate well with people because the toxicity isn't there. And uh, those are the companies that are going to win. And if you're sub-optimized and your people aren't giving their best and you're not a real attractive employer because everybody's social brand is online, you're not going to attract the best and you're not going to keep who you get. And therefore, all those relationships, they call it social capital, they're the means of production, are going to keep evaporating. The institutional knowledge that people acquire about what the company does and how what it feels like to work there what the products kind of feel like, how to create them. They're going to turn over. You got to have that relearning all the time. And those companies will be stuck using people as parts and they're going to go out of business because they're going to get a quarter of the speed that the other companies are where they actually understand how to create an environment where people are both motivated and able to give their best. That's what it's all about. If you can't do that, you lose. It's just a matter of time. What if I'm an employee of a current company or I'm looking for another job? What are some of those key things that are, and you mentioned highly motivated, that are motivating me for another role or another company? I could say probably a couple of years ago, it might've been, okay, dollars were a big factor. Now there's a lot more into it, working remote, hybrid, the work-life harmony that's out there. I mean, are those key motivating factors before the actual salaries? And now salaries have skyrocketed and almost doubled and tripled in some instances for that top talent because they're offering other benefits. Yeah, the fact of the matter is people aren't leaving for money. Some people will. 
But for the most part, you find people leaving because they don't like the company's mission. They don't like the culture. Uh, they don't feel anybody listens to them. You know, I work with a company that trains a lot of salespeople. Uh, somebody they had trained a company was a number one salesperson left. Want to know why they left? No one listens to me. I come up with ideas all the time. Nobody listens to me. That's that lack of influence meant that that person's achievement needs weren't be fully being met there. They wanted to contribute more. They don't want to be just a salesperson. They want to have an impact or an influence. They weren't allowed to have an influence. They left, you know, nine months after uh, leaving, going to this other place. They're again, the number one salesperson with 16 million in production versus the number two person with 5 million in production. So here's a company. This is why they're going to lose. They had an incredible guy. They couldn't hang on to their top talent. Why? They had no clue how to lead people, how to get an environment where people give their best. Whoever the leaders were should have been listening. He's the number one guy, influence, obviously smart guy, girl, I don't even know as a man or a woman, but you know, whoever it was, really smart player and uh, very simple to keep them. Actually, it doesn't cost anything to keep that person. It takes your attention. That's all. Attention, but are there other key factors that go into keeping and retaining that talent? And when I say talent, it's not just like an IT talent, it's an employee talent, the knowledge that's internal, the yeah, talent, not anyway. the human talent aspect of it. What are some of those key things that are need to be in that company in order to retain that talent? Well, you know, it really goes up Maslow's hierarchy. First of all, the environment has to be safe psychological safety, some jobs there's physical safety, right? So that means you're gonna want openness and transparency. Uh, you're going to eliminate toxic behaviors, you know, bullying, putting people down, talking behind other people's back. You wanna get out of that mire up into this third level, which is really kind of Maslow called it love and belonging, but it's powerful relationships in a workplace. And people need to belong. They wanna be part of something that's bigger than them. You want those relationships there because that's how work gets done. Those friendships that form out of those relationships are part of the glue that holds that person. So when leaders care about people and bring them together to create relationships and they model the behaviors that really powerfully get people to collaborate and work together, those, those behaviors they model get embraced. Work is much more fulfilling, much more gets done. People feel accepted, they're included you know, then their achievement needs start getting met because they start accomplishing a lot more. Now there's celebration, there's achievement. Now they're part of something big. They contributed to it. All of those human elements go into this. They all Frank, Frank, you were definitely mentioning echoing some of the things I did with Lindsay Dow. In fact, folks, take a look up here for a recording I did with Lindsay Dow, Chief Heartbeat Officer on Heartbeats instead of Headcount. And that's really one of the reasons you and I were talking today is because it echoed the same thing and I felt the same passion from you. Let's talk about your company, Frank. People Productive, what is it? What does it do and how can you help? Well, we'll help uh, companies create cultures where people put down roots and stay. We'll help them create an environment where people give their best. We'll make sure the leaders understand all the human factors that go into creating a great environment and then help them practice them like they're on a golf course. You know, you've got to swing the club. People can tell you anything you want. You don't get on the course. You don't swing the club. You don't improve your score. So they've got to employ this. We give them the tools, the technology, the methodology. We have a complete methodology for building a high-performance culture. We have the tools, you know, in the cloud, mobile apps. 
Um, we're able to tell them where they are so we can assess and we can help them continuously manage and monitor their performance as they improve. And most importantly, we help them link what they're doing to results because it's about business results. And if there aren't any business results, you know, a bunch of happy campers, but you're not getting anywhere. That's not a great company to work for. It's not about just having happy campers. It's about having a filling job, great relationships, and being part of something successful. And ultimately, our vision is that we're going to help create a world where companies and the people thrive together. Because if the people in the company aren't thriving together, everybody doesn't win. And that's certainly the problem we've had in the world. Frank, how do I know I need you or I need your company? Is it too late? Well, it's never too late. You know, the funny thing is companies have used engagement solutions probably for the last 20 something years. And they never did a thing. They provided some insights. They're not a methodology for building a high performance culture or organization. They don't link to returns. They've run it for years. They never did anything with the data. And here we go, the great resignation. What a waste of money and time. They gotta do something that works. They gotta take it seriously. It's not an annual survey where you look at the numbers and go, oh, we didn't move that much. No, it's an entire, you know, they've gotta run it like a big project or program. And it doesn't have to be big in terms of, you know, size, but it's got to be important in terms of people's time. You got to make it an important thing. And that's, that's what it takes. So they would bring us in companies who, you know, feel they're not moving as fast as they'd like. They can't innovate. You know, they're losing people. Those are the companies that hire us. Frank, is there a certain type of company that pulls you in? Because you said, you know, leaders will kind of figure out that they're not moving as fast. But what about startups, enterprises? Company has been around forever. I mean, I don't really know if startups fit that, but I imagine that it's a leader that identifies certain needs or aspects that they'll kind of give you a call and say, you know what, Frank, we need your help. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've, we've worked with startups with, you know, 50 people and they've grown much, much bigger you know, hiring, um, really small startups. I think it's too soon to bring us in quite honestly, you know, hopefully as a leader, you are starting the company and you care about people and you can do it. Once you get to the point where you have 50 or 60 people, we can give you a pulse of what's happening in your organization. We show you where you are. We can help you continue from that point on to improve your culture. So as you grow, it gets better and better. But it has to be a priority because startups are running around. They go through that storming, forming, norming, performing phase, right? And they're in the storming phase for quite a while. And it's hard for them to pay attention to their culture because I've done it with small companies and they get uh, very distracted very quickly, right? They're all focused on the things that have been committed to the VCs or the board. And culture, culture, is a priority, but they really, they just tend to focus on these few things they got to get done until they start losing people. And now they're really concerned, right? That's what happens. Frank, can you walk me through what the program looks like? Is it, you know, a time-based program? Is it however you'd really like? How do we measure some of this? I want to kind of know how I implement this into my company. Sure. Um, essentially, is a three-step process. The first one is to go in and do the diagnostic benchmark where you are. Then our solution puts out roadmaps, and we work with you to do basically a plan, joint action planning, to identify exactly what has to happen, how and when, what's the best order to do it in, because what is going to give you the highest returns on talent? 
as you start improving and moving up Maslow's hierarchy, because you really want to get into that fourth level of Maslow, Maslow, which is esteem. People are having a lot of fun. They're innovating. They're creating. Um, and if you can get to the top, you know, you're truly a peak performing company. So we have roadmaps and then we work with you month by month or maybe every other week. It depends on the cadence of your firm. Where does this fit in best? We like to fit into the rhythm of that company. Let's say they have a manager meeting every two weeks and they want to work on it then. Hey, we'll fit into that rhythm. Whatever it is, we don't recommend starting a whole bunch of new meetings. People are far too busy. So we want to work with you in a way that suits who you are and how you're operating. And so we fit into the rhythm of that company. We create, our system creates a roadmap. We do the joint action planning. We agree on what really makes sense given all the things going on in the company. And then we work with them to implement new norms and ways of working better together. We also look deeply at enablement, which is what's in the way of people performing. Could be broken processes, might be they're interrupted all day, might be that meetings are really ineffective and are sucking people's time in a very inefficient way. All those enabling factors, you know, like my individual accountabilities, the people know the strategy, you know, whatever it is, that's its own set of activities that has to be, you know, improved. And then there's the human experience, which is how we work together, basically. And we work with them on both pieces. And ultimately, as we get further along, we'll link it to actual business results and show them how culture is helping improve the way the company's operating. Frank, is this a continuous thing? I, I go through this and I see my improvement, right? And my right. numbers have definitely improved thanks to you and your company's help. Is this something that, all right, uh, six months, a year, I've improved really good. Do I do like a, you know, a quarterly checkup with you as a continuous engagement if I want? I mean, really, I'd like to kind of plan this out that I am at a certain place where my employees are happy and they have that nice harmony happening and I have a great culture within the environment. Yeah. Uh, very good question. The, the answer is we want you to be in the driver's seat and give you the keys. We want you to use the solution to continuously assess where you are and always be improving your culture because you can always improve. You know, you can get up to be a company in the middle of that fourth level. Maybe you want to move up a little bit further. Things happen. They cause steps back. There's problems in companies. They hire people. Maybe they're not a good fit. So you want to have a finger on the pulse of the company. The bigger you get, you could still have pockets that are underperforming of toxicity and things. So you want to run it. It's a human infrastructure. You want to know how the human infrastructure is working all the time. No differently than if your network, your technology infrastructure, that it's up and it's performing in a peak way. And you should always be performance tuning how effectively and efficiently people are working together. It's a key piece of the business. And if you don't do that, you're going to eventually turn around one day and you made 10 steps forward. You took three back and you're, oh, what happened? Frank, are there any companies that you can share that have used your product and how they're doing or how well they're doing? Well, we have case studies up on the site. You know, anybody can go there and look at it. We have testimonials. Yes, we've done really good work with a bunch of different companies. And those testimonials are there. Go to peopleproductive.com. You can see them. You know, one, uh, one manufacturer, we double through, put for them in certain areas. You know, actual measurable number of things getting done before and after. And that's what happens because, you know, I did turnaround transformations for a living. And I knew that in those turnarounds, I was always fixing the talent side. And as I fixed it, the amount of work we got done kept doubling or tripling along the way. And that's what happens in companies that work with us. 
Frank, my last question for you and something I didn't ask in the beginning because I wanted people to understand your passion and the company that you created. Why did you create it? What inspired you to create it? Well, you know, I, uh, I stumbled into IT out of college. I was a bio major and I got to, um, I was working at Merrill Lynch, eventually left, went to Prudential. And at Merrill, I've been doing a number of turnarounds, fixing things, going into areas, making improvements. And when I got to Peru, I noticed some patterns. I was brought in to do a turnaround in one area and fix some stuff that was really broken. And I said, wow, the human side's broken here too, in these areas. You know, a lot of companies have great areas. Some of them have areas that don't work. And that was the pattern. I realized that the root cause of failure of these big projects and programs was human. It had nothing to do with technology. And having been a bio major, I dug into it. And after, you know, many, many years went by, I had figured enough of it out because I wanted to really master this to do my job. I figured it out to the degree I said, wow, anybody could do this if all they do is care about people and learn and understand what it takes to do this. There's no magic. You know, it's just caring about people, understanding what needs they have, helping, you know, helping them get their needs met emotionally, you know, in terms of their own achievement and growth and things in the office. Care about care about people. I think that is key to any leader or anyone that would like to be a leader. You don't have to have the meetings and discuss every single item, but to understand the person you're talking to in front of you. The things are going through. Everyone is unique. Everyone has that unique story. Lindsay talked about one, and I actually was really inspired by how a manager that she worked with, one meeting would be talking about work and all the actions. The other one would be talking about her, what's going on in life, how are things are going, and just a casual conversation. And I think that made them a better team, a leader, and her feeling the culture. Get to know your people. You know, you could start with that famous three questions. Tell me three things that happened in your life that made you who you are today. And you'd be amazed what people tell you, you know, because they all have a story and there's these major things that have most people can identify them and it starts to unlock who they are. And then, you know, always talking about what's going on in their life. You know, I would do it every meeting, how are things going, what's happening, any, any trouble, you know, things you need help with. You got to know. And that's what makes them comfortable coming to you when something is going on that they're willing to share it with you because they know you care and you're going to be there for them. You have their back. And it must be a meaningful question. Not, not the, you started me and Hey, how's it going? How was your weekend? You know, the usual, like, That's right. I, I won't even remember this ever. No, you actually have to be engaged and dig into it. Not the usual. You got to listen. Yep. You know, empathy is listening, really listening and understanding. And you got to be in the moment. You know, people are so busy. They have these packed questions. They throw, hey, how are things going? And they're ready thinking about the next thing they're going to talk about. They're not even listening. Yep, exactly. Uh, I, get the, I get to listen every day. And it's definitely a, something that you have to keep working at. It doesn't always come to you. I know you get really excited. Oh, my next question. Yeah. So I what I do is I- listener. I was not a good listener for for years. It took me a while to really grow into being a good listener Mm -hmm. and actually getting feedback about interrupting people because I was always, you know, a lot of energy and blah, blah, blah. So that really is something you learn and grow into over time. And anybody can be a better listener. They just got to be in the moment. They got to focus and say, hey, going to listen, catch themselves drifting away, come back and grow that skill because it really matters. 
Yep. I, I tend to write things down. I have a notepad right next to me and I just write some quick notes so I can pay attention. I'll write with my hand. And then as we're talking, I'll come back to something that kind of triggered one of my questions. But those key things you talk about, because I want to stay in the moment. Frank, yeah. anything you want to leave with the crowd really to talk about people productive or what's next or how you can help or even just something inspiring? You know, I think that we're in this age of disruption, honestly. Everything is changing. You know, the world is changing in just so many different ways. It's not just the world of work. I think, you know, I'm incredibly optimistic that whenever this age of disruption ends and a new way of working and living together settles in, I think we're going to have a much better world. I do. All the changes we see happening are great. Humans were never meant to be treated as parts in factories, ever. And, you know, humans actually becoming, you know, the means of production is who they are. You know, they're creative, they're inventive. You know, companies talk about agility and all this. It's human agility, right? Innovation is human. We're in an era where it's the age of the creator and things are going to get created. You know, new things are going to happen. Uh, there'll be a lot of breakthroughs in different areas. So I see a golden age coming down the road, but we'll have to get through this transition zone that we're in. And that's the way it works through history. You know, these changes from one thing to another don't come without disruption. Nice. I agree with you. All right, everybody. Frank Wander, CEO of People Productive. Frank, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me on. It was a pleasure. Yes, everybody. My name is John Meyer. I've been your host. Don't forget to hit that like, subscribe and notify because guess what? We're out of here. <laughs>